All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Rigos Rag Podcast. Last time we were with you, we were going over the roster cuts um, after week four preseason. So if you want to check that out, it's a little outdated at this point because we've got something bigger and better to focus on. The NFL regular season is here, week one in the books. Uh, Washington, well, it was a tale of two halves. Uh, The first half was great. Uh, They were up 27 at the half over Philly in Philly. And then the second half happened, and uh, we'll we'll talk about that, um, what happened, what are the implications, and uh, maybe what to look forward to in the coming weeks. Can they capitalize on, or can they um, kind of rebound? Because if it was, if we were just talking about the first half, it would be can can they capitalize on the early success? But we we saw what happened there, so they got to rebound, and they got to kind of silence the noise that's starting to kind of crescendo out of dc so i'm here with uh contributor connor forrest and uh, we're gonna kind of break it down talk it over connor how you been i'm doing great brother it's a monday and it's uh it's a misery monday but uh yep. but life goes on we are survivors but uh doing great man how you been? <laughs> I've been i've been good man i've been good yeah there's misery mondays and there's victory mondays and you can only have two <laughs> unless you're a lions fan uh, then you can then you don't know how to feel uh but uh yeah, it's a misery Monday for sure in uh, the nation's capital. Uh, Washington lost, I think it was 32-27 to 27 against the Eagles. And the crappiest part about this loss, Connor, was that there was it was a long time in that game where it really felt like it was going to be a win, right? Yeah, I mean, it really was a tale of two halves. And, and, you know, I think what made the game as frustrating as it was, was that we succeeded in ways that we, we didn't think we would succeed, and, and we failed in the ways that our bread and butter. Yeah. You know, the offense just was clicking it. I mean, I I was sitting there wondering if I was watching this game. What, what game am I watching? What's <laughs> going? I mean, Case Keenum throwing for 380. Um, you know, it, it just seemed as if, I mean, I mean, he had thrown eight different receivers during the game. I mean, Kelvin Harmon was involved on a big third down. Uh, obviously, Terry McLaurin went off. Um, I mean, everybody seemed to be contributing. Uh and it seemed as if the strength of our team was the biggest weakness yesterday. I mean, our defensive line completely broke, and it, it really was. Uh, it, it, I mean, it was hard to really wrap your head around. I mean, it really was a roller coaster, and, and it was it, it was tough because it felt like going into halftime. We all kind of took to Twitter, we took to our articles, and we started writing and went, "Maybe this is different. Maybe we were wrong." Maybe the skins can make a little push here. Maybe they are different. Uh, but leaving the Lincoln financial field last night was just bitter for everybody involved, um, you know, with the skins, because it, you really do leave with more questions than answers than you really did even going in. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, and it sucks, like you said, because they were doing something that worked in that first half. Uh, you know, Case Keenum exceeded my expectations i'll tell you that i've been i've been ringing the bell all preseason that he was going to be a good solid guy but not he wasn't going to elevate the offense when he needed to and you know in the end the offense did stall out in the second half and they need to address that but in the first half case keenum was playing really well uh hit terry mclaurin for that deep completion uh the offense was on schedule they were using play action they were getting creative with it um, and then the second half, I feel like what happened was they just kind of they kind of sat back. It's something that we've seen a lot under Jay Gruden. Uh, they kind of sat back. They're like, "All right, now we got to play not to lose." And I feel like the Eagles really capitalized on that and just dominated the time of possession, all that. 
uh, it, it just seemed like there, there were some, yeah, there were some uh, personnel facets of the team that kind of uh, underperformed the secondary. There was a lot of miscommunication there, and that's what led to, I think, both of Deshaun Jackson's touchdowns uh, were miscommunication. I think one was Josh Norman just not being able to keep up with them, but the other one, Jimmy Moreland, uh, held back, and then Nicholson was covering someone else, and he had a two-on-one that he couldn't handle. Uh, and then the the defensive line, you know, just Greg Minuski, got to shore that up. Coaching has to improve down the stretch, right? I mean, that seems to me like it, that's the biggest issue to take away from this because the players really, I think they exceeded expectations against the talented Eagles squad. But at, in, at the end of the day, it was the coaching and the lack of adjustments that really contributed to that second-half uh, collapse. Would you agree with that? Yeah, for sure. And and what bother what's bothering is that it's this isn't the first time we've seen it. Yeah. You know, right? I mean we, we we've been talking about this for a couple of years now. Um we we talk about second half adjustments and, and I think fans are, are quick to, you know, say that the Redskins completely, you know, blew the game. It it was a it was a complete botched job from the halftime over and, and while a lot of it's true, the Eagles are an elite team. Uh, I, I hate them. I, their fan base is garbage. But <laughs> I, I'll tell you, they're a good football team, and they're well, well coached. And you knew going into halftime, Doug Peterson wasn't just going to go get a sandwich at halftime. He's sitting his guys down. He's making adjustments. And and time and time again, we really have felt, especially since Jay Gruden took over, that no adjustments were really being made. And you could see the Redskins' the, uh, aggressiveness faded. Uh, the, the 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 kind of sting they had initially, especially on the defensive side, faded. The energy faded. The sideline died, and it just you could feel the game slip away. And, and you knew after that second Deshaun Jackson touchdown that it just felt like, oh my lord, we're about to blow this game. Yeah. Um, and it's it's frustrating because, like you said, I mean, this is this isn't the first time we've talked about it. Yeah. And uh, I think if if Jay Gruden has a chance, his chance of staying here after the season. I, I think that is one thing that has to be cleaned up. I mean, it's different. It's one thing being beaten by a better team. It's one thing being out outplayed by a better team. But it's another thing when you visually can see your, your team completely take on a different attitude. And the first half and second half was personification of just taking on a different attitude. And, and it showed. Yeah. Yeah. And like you said, you know, one thing, a different thing, it's one thing to, you know, lose against a good team. It's another thing to, you know, get off to such a great start uh, where, you know, you can really capitalize on that. You can keep the pedal to the metal and then you get complacent and you lose and you make the same mistakes that you've made for years. I think this has been a recurring theme the entire time under Jay Gruden is that, you know, Either he starts out slow or he starts out fast and then loses it. I mean, the momentum shift was crazy fast, man. <laughs> right when the Eagles, yes. right when they took the field in that second half, you're like, you know, what if, you know, what if they just took off and our offense couldn't do anything anymore? And that's what happened. If, if you're asking me, I thought Gruden should have been fired last year, uh, you know, after the Giants game that completely, that, that total full on collapse. But, uh, you know, they, they decided to keep him on and it, it's kind of a tepid vote of confidence for him. You can't fire him after week one uh, because of that, because you kept him on for this year. But it just it begs the question, just where is the breaking point for Jay Gruden? You know, because yeah. th- this is something we've seen 
happened before and if it how, how many more times does it have to happen for them to say okay you know it's it's not it's not working we need to try something new we need to get younger we need to uh, turn a new leaf um you know i saw some comments to uh, my bold predictions i predicted gruden would be gone uh by the or, i didn't predict a specific time but i predicted he'd be gone during the season and some people were saying well hey uh, Snyder's only fired two coaches uh, mid-season in his tenure, uh, but I just I I, I think it was uh, Turner and North Turner and who else? I think it was Jim Zorn or something. I believe Jim Zorn was at the very end of the season. I think I don't even think he made the flight back. I think it was from San Diego before he got fired. But I'm trying to think of what the the second coach was. But yeah, it's definitely not a common occurrence. Dan Snyder doesn't do that often. Yeah, yeah. And I'm just but I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, how long has this kind of has this um this uh friction kind of built up where, you know, every I feel like every time Jay Gruden does this sort of thing, it's just another strike and uh the it, it really it should be weighing on his shoulders. I feel like it is. Uh and I, I feel like it should be weighing on the front office to say, "Hey, maybe we need to change course." I don't know. Uh, but, um, yeah, it is interesting, uh, for sure. And I'm, you know, it, it, it just sucks, man. It sucks. Cause that, that could have been a tone setting victory, uh, in the NFC East. And, uh, you know, no one expected them to win coming in, but it just feels like a, it, it, if they've been blown out, then you would have been like, all right, we expected that. But right now it just feels like a wasted opportunity. Uh, for sure. And, and that's, that's kind of, that's almost more painful than getting blown out, you know? So absolutely. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But, um, a lot was made of Adrian Peterson uh, getting benched before the game. Do you think putting him in there would have had any effect on the outcome? I don't think it. I really don't think it would have. Uh, but I, I think Grant Paulson said it so well. I, I just don't. I, I just don't think the the juice was worth the squeeze there. I, I don't know why why Jay Gruden would feel the need to do that. I, I think you know, looking back on last year, people say, "Oh, Adrian Peterson was one of the bright spots on the team." Adrian Peterson was the bright spot. There was no other bright spot. I mean, towards the end of the year, Adrian Peterson was basically the only reason Redskins fans were tuning in. Um, I mean, the problem that you have when you when you sit a guy like Adrian Peterson, I, that was the first time he'd been a healthy scratch in his entire career. Yeah. The problem is, is when when you sit a guy like him, you're you're sending a message to your team that you know basically you had heard like you had heard reports of of Jay Gruden, um, you know, and it had only come out this past week, but that Jay Gruden wanted to cut Adrian Peterson yeah. and that he was not really in favor of keeping AP in the front office, wanted to, to keep him. And basically the front office was the reason AP was still in the roster. You know, now that this Darius Geis incident has kind of popped up with his injury, I think you set yourself up in a really, really bad light. I think yesterday's game was a bad look. I think now that, that Geis got hurt, and Adrian Peterson is now going to be your lead, you know, bell cow. I, I really, I really think it was a poor move by Jay Gruden on, on a lot of fronts. I thought, I thought, it, you know, would Adrian Peterson have made a, a big impact? Probably not, but he just, he deserves better than that. And, and for what, for, for, for a guy that you picked up Wendell Smallwood five days ago to play on, on punt coverage. I mean, you, I mean, you got to be kidding me there. I mean, you know, I, I understand the need for depth at certain positions and, and special teams shuffling, but um, but to answer your question, no, I, I don't think it would have made that big of an impact. But I think the, the juice just wasn't worth the squeeze there. And now Adrian Peterson 
was rubbed the wrong way. Morgan Moses was upset. Different veterans were upset. And you just got a feeling of, oh boy, here we go again. We haven't even kicked off the season and there's already drama. Yeah, yeah. And drama is the one thing that the Redskins have had success maintaining over the years. It's the only thing, really. So it's uh, <laughs> that's consistency at its best. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It's like at least you know what you're getting. At least you're used to it. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, you'd like it to change. Yeah. I was um, you know, when 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 it first came out that Adrian Peterson was going to get benched, uh, was going to get deactivated. I was like, I was actually kind of in agreement with the move, you know, because. As good as much of a feel good story as last year was, you know, he doesn't really provide a lot of utility at this point. You know, he, he doesn't have the same. We we saw the vision and the the physicality last year. I think those are his two marquee traits at this point. But the athleticism has been sapped a little bit. You know, at his age, I don't think he provides the same utility. That said, um, I do think. You know, and no one can predict that Darius Geis is going to tweak his other knee, you know, on the second play of the game, which I think sure. is what ended up happening. But, you know, he didn't look he didn't look 100 percent for a lot of the game. But, uh, you know, and I, giving him the opportunity, if he's healthy, I think is a sensible thing to do. But, you know, in, in retrospect, like you said, um, you know, putting Peterson on the inactive list for a guy like Wendell Smallwood, who ended up not being used a lot anyway. You know, it it would have been good to have Peterson available to kind of let Geis rest and, you know, maybe get that knee checked out during the game and see if they wanted to withhold reps from him to avoid further complications. And, uh, you know, obviously you, you lose all the other, uh, you know, externalities with that, with uh, Morgan Moses and other veterans getting angry. And then Jay Gruden uh, in his press conference today kind of hitting the reporter with a little sass, like if... If we were playing a team where I could give Peterson the ball 55 times, you know, that's then then I'd put him in, you know. But it's like it kind of has this air of, you know, Peterson isn't really valuable to what they were trying to do. And uh, I don't think that's the yeah. message that the team wanted to hear. You know, I feel like they want, yeah. they want to buy into an every man matters kind of mentality. And uh, yeah. at, at the end of the day, I don't think the Peterson move really accomplished that. So I think. You know, at first I was like, why are we making such a big deal about this? But it, it, I guess it does kind of warrant a bit of a discussion. And uh, it's 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 even worse now. Uh, that I, I know Jacob wrote an article earlier today. It's it, Geis getting injured looks even or No, Peterson getting deactivated looks even worse now that Geis is injured. Yeah. And, you know, you might have to turn back to the guy that you deactivated next week. So, yeah. It's, it's and I, I specifically thought, too, what was, what was dumb is that, look, I'm all for, by the way, and I think there are certain people out there that think, Oh, Adrian Peterson should be our, our lead running back. Guys should take it back. I think it's ridiculous. I think if Darius Geis is healthy, give him the ball. Yeah. Uh, but you, I think it's dumb to think that Darius Geis, who literally has played he played his first actual NFL game yesterday, is is just is just ready to be dropped into the fire. I mean, I'm all for giving him the lead running back role, but mix it up. Give him a chance to to take a breather. Give him a chance to, you know, instead. What's the harm in giving Adrian Peterson? eight to ten carries yeah. you're taking a little bit of a load off of guys he's able to learn you're mixing it up they're two different styles I, I don't know what is such a difficult concept about working a guy into a system and, and I, I thought that by just going all guys I mean I think fans I, I love it I'm, I'm as excited about Darius guys as, as anyone but I mean you can basically pencil Darius Geis in at this point. I mean, he hasn't been healthy for one actual game 
ever. Like, literally, th- this past week, he got hurt in his first NFL action. He missed time in college. He tore his ACL last year. I mean, obviously, that's unforeseen. But, I mean, it, you you can't expect a guy like Darius Geis to just come in and steal the running back job without having any sort of – I mean, you got to work him in. And yeah. I just thought by deactivating Adrian Peterson, you've backed yourself into a corner that, hey, if Darius Geis now gets hurt, you, you know – Look, look! Look at the mess you've made, and now you you you've upset the locker room. And I, I just I just think Jay Gruden poked a bear that he shouldn't have, and and I think that there's ways of doing what he did yesterday better. I didn't. I don't think it, it takes deactivating Adrian Peterson to to get Wendell Smallwood, um, you know, reps on special teams. I just again, I just don't think the juice was worth the squeeze there. Yeah, yeah, and you know, if you'd asked me the other day, here's the weird thing about this. You asked me the other day, hey, do you think that the Redskins deactivating Adrian Peterson would be a big deal? You know, I might think about that stuff, but at the end of the day, it's like, hey, if it's a football decision about getting a special teamer out there, because Peterson doesn't have a ton of special teams value either, it's like, I'm all for it. But now we have all this, all this drama, all this contention. It's like, it's like but it's just stuff you didn't see before and it's interesting to look back on it and kind of rethink it because i do think that in a sense they made i don't want to say the right decision they made a sensible decision in in a sense but at the same time uh i i feel like they're there with the locker room they they see how the guys respect ap i feel like maybe they should have seen this coming so uh and now you got a situation where you got to move on from it and you got to respond to it and you got to set the players off in week two with the right message. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see if Jay Gruden can do that because a lot is on the line. Uh, Let's go back to the game though. Um, Because the running game, a lot was made up about that, you know, of how maybe Peterson would have had more success in the second half, uh, you know, kind of doing ball control offense, but really I don't know what you think about it, Connor, but to me, it's not really about Geis or Peterson. It's kind of about the structure and, uh, you know, how they run the ball uh, to, yeah. to me. Because I feel like Gruden was trying to rely on the run just straight up. But I feel like you got to implement it the right way. Um, you got to run at the right times. And I know some people were kind of criticizing Gruden's running system, saying it was a little too diversified. Maybe you got you got to pick and choose the things that you're best at and roll with that. And maybe they were trying sure. to mix it up a little bit too often. I don't know. I don't know what you think about the running game because, you know, every a lot of people make a lot of things about, you know, modern football and you got to pass more than you run. And uh, But the, the Redskins really, I feel like if they had implemented the run game better in that second half, maybe they could have they could have emulated what the Eagles basically did to them. And uh, I feel like it's valuable to kind of learn from that and, and uh, kind of modify. I don't, I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I, I tend to not, I t- you know, a lot of people will say you gotta, you gotta run to set up the pass or vice versa. You gotta pass to set up the run. Uh, I, I quite frankly have always been, you, you've got to go with what works. Yeah. If, if passing the ball on first down works, do it. If using, you know, an athletic Kelvin Harmon, a Terry McLaurin downfield opens up passes over the middle, do it. If running the ball works, do it. I'm not for completely abandoning the run, but I'm quite frankly, I thought what the Redskins did so well in the first half was that they simply just went with what worked. Yeah. And it was something that we hadn't seen for a while. Sure, the first down running was, was something we were accustomed to. But, I mean, seeing Case Keenum work the middle of the field, that 
eight to 12 yard range was something we hadn't seen from Alex Smith. It's something that Kirk Cousins struggled to catch on to for a long time. And it, it genuinely worked. And I mean, you, you were working against the Eagles linebacker core that was not as that that's not their strength of their defense. Yeah. And, and you, you worked them. You really did. And you exposed their secondary um, for a majority of that first half. Yeah. And here's the thing. I mean, uh, they were doing a lot of stuff right, but I feel like the offense is really built that way where it can succeed that way. I mean, you know, you won't hear me singing Case Keenum's praises often, but I feel like he's the right guy for that type of game, that type of short mid range, you know, just getting to the, getting to the guys who are open and, and the Redskins now that they honestly, now that they cut Josh Doxson, they're rolling with this top three, Terry McLaurin can get open really easily. Paul Richardson can get open. He had a couple drops though. He's got to work on that. And then Trey Quinn, man, Trey Quinn can get open too. So you have yep. a, you have a good receiver combination, guys that can get separation, and separation is the key in the modern NFL offense. And it was the key when they were uh, using those play action concepts and really just kind of pushing the Eagles and putting the pressure on them. And that you you're absolutely right. You got to go with what works, and that worked. And I feel like I feel like there were times in the second half where they did try to go that route and it just didn't work out. And there were times when they tried to dial up shots too. I know Keenum missed the uh, deep shot to McLaurin in the second half when McLaurin was open downfield. Um, yeah, but that they, hurt to watch. Yeah, that was, that was tough. That was like, that, that's a oh, momentum man. shift right there if, if he's just a little bit shorter. Uh, so, Absolutely. But um, yeah, and it's those little things that you really, those opportunities you got to capitalize on because you might not get them again and that's what happened. But um, at the yeah. same time, you can structure it, you can control it enough where you, you, you have the upper hand and I feel like that's what they did in the first half. And they got cute in the second half. And they said, all right, we can dial it back. It's like, you can't dial it back. It's the NFL. The minute you dial it back, you're showing weakness and the other team's going to pounce. So I think that was was definitely what we saw in the game. So they got to make adjustments, man. But not just like half-to-half adjustments. Now, next week, you got to find out what you did wrong, how you can improve. And that's what worries me with Gruden is that, We've never seen that consistently from him, and uh, for sure, yeah. So I'm 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 interested to see. Enough about the doom and gloom, though. Uh, let's 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 get to some highlights of some players that kind of surprised you, that stood out to you, that impressed you. Uh, what are some What are some names that are popping up in your head? I think Terry McLaurin's the obvious one, yeah. and I I think he deserves all the praise in the world. He makes Josh Doxson being cut look like a fantastic decision at this point. Um, and, and the Redskins deserve praise for that. They've been talking about, you know, Terry McLaurin, uh, me and Matt went down to training camp and we saw him in person. We could, we saw his speed. We saw his, his agility, but uh, they had been constantly saying, Hey, this guy is a playmaker. Look out for, for 17, look out for 17. And we hadn't seen it. And yesterday he already showed, he had, you know, a, uh, a game over a hundred yards. That's already more than Josh Doxon had in his, had in his entire career. Um, I think he has, you know, every ability to be this team's number one and going forward, the skin should be proud. I think he's the obvious one, but I just loved uh, what Cole Holcomb did. Um, I I loved watching him. It seemed as if everywhere I looked, uh, 55 was out there. Um, I mean, he had, you know, uh, seven solo tackles, eight combined. Uh, I mean, he was all over the field at all times and uh, it was good. I mean, he had a couple couple plays where he was a little bit behind uh, a couple late blitzes that you know need to be dusted up but but for a guy um that's that's rookie um i i'm so excited to see what he can become and 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 i think it, it's 
it says a lot that he was paired up there with John Bostic um, to start week one. Um, you know, we talked about Sean Deion Hamilton, Josh Harvey Clemens, and Cole Holcomb came out of nowhere and said, this is my job, and, and he showed why. Yeah, yeah, I did not expect him to be a starter. You know, I thought he'd be a top reserve or something. They'd rotate him in, but no, they just said, no, he's the starter right now. Yep. Going back to the draft, man, when they selected this guy, I had never, I kid you not, and I I like to think I did a lot of research, I had never heard his name once. <laughs> I was like, who is this guy? And and then all through offseason, we don't hear anything bad about him, just how fast he is, how instinctive he is. I'm like, there's got to be a reason he dropped, some type of reason. I still can't find it, man. He, he's he's yep. been good so far. And there's still a little bit of progress to make, but his range was refreshing. Uh, for sure, uh, inside linebacker, still some things to shore up, but that was definitely a, a a bright spot. And Terry McLaurin too, man. That guy, man. If you have speed, if you can separate and toughness at the catch point too, uh, that, that's that's more than good enough. And he's got he's got all those traits, and he's he's blossoming. I was really excited with him. Um, just a, a standout performance. And you know the the funny thing is that. You don't normally see this where a rookie is thrust into a situation with so much opportunity, but with with Washington's receiving court, there wasn't anyone who could be called the guy coming in. So someone's got to step up, and uh, McLaurin was the one. I mean, usually when you have a rookie receiver, you have another guy who can kind of take the load off, but everyone's unproven now. And Terry McLaurin is saying, hey, I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to be the guy. And I thought that was encouraging too. I also, I also liked Trey Quinn in some spots, but I'm – I am biased toward Trey Quinn, so that doesn't that doesn't warrant much consideration. Um, the 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 offensive line was really good in pass blocking early, and not just the right side, but the left side too. I mean, Donald Penn, Eric Flowers, they were really taking it to the Eagles' defensive line in the first half. The second half, it kind of uh, petered out. A lot of penalties on Morgan Moses, and I think yeah, that's Flowers, killer. yeah, that's that's a killer, man. I mean, Flowers had a couple too, so. Uh, you got to be consistent there, but again, yeah. flashes against a very good team, so it's going to be interesting to see how they hold up. We are almost out of time, uh, so real quick, let's move on to next week. The Dallas Cowboys are not any easier than the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, but should should people be optimistic about Washington heading into heading into Week Two because? You know, they while they ended up giving up the game and they lost the game, they they showed pretty. Uh, pretty immense upside in that first half and what they could be if, if everything comes together. Do you think there's a reason for optimism or should fans temper expectations? Yeah, I, I really do think there 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 is reason for optimism. I, I think the offense showed what it's capable of doing. Um, we know what this defense is capable of doing. I think that's what the most disappointing thing was. I know John Allen left you know, you know, in, in the, in that game. And, and it just seemed, things just seemed to unravel from there. Um, Ryan Kerrigan had one more tackle than I did yesterday. He was a non-factor. Uh, and, and it was terribly sad to say Montez Sweat did basically nothing yesterday. I can basically assure everybody that those two guys are better. I think, I think you look at, at um, guys like Josh Norman, who people, throw sticks and stones out all day. I know he can be better than he was yesterday. And and if those three guys can at least step up from what they did yesterday, I think the game changes dramatically. The defense has just got to figure out an identity, and they have to work on being consistent. 
the offense for sure is something that uh, has shown flashes. It's shown that it can be good. It's shown that it can move the ball. Um, I think, I think that there's reasons to be optimistic. I, I, it's going to be hard. It's Dallas is going to be hard. It's going to be really difficult. And the skins are going to have to really dust up a lot of things that, that went wrong yesterday and, and kind of pick up their stuff and go, because look, this is the regular season. Now you've got, you've got seven days in between games and you, you got to pick up your stuff and go. They can't sulk over this because this time tomorrow it's Dallas film. It's, it's, it's all up and going. And, um, I, I think there's things to build off of. I think there's reasons to be excited. Um, but, uh, we're just going to have to see, man. We're just going to have to see. I think this defense is just going to have to be better, and uh, the offense is going to have to be a little more consistent. It's going to come down to the coaching staff, but uh, we'll just have to see. Yep, yep, for sure. And, um, you know, how the staff responds to this, because uh, they faced a lot of adversity in week one, and now you got to you got to turn a new page, and you got to try and uh, springboard from it and not get not kind of get suffocated by it. And that's that's been a big mo under jay gruden's tenure um he hasn't always been able to do that consistently and um but his uh his string is really getting short and uh if it if it keeps going i don't know how long he'll stick around so we'll have to see um i am i gotta tell you i'm excited to see uh when uh dwayne haskins eventually suits up with this offense because uh they, they, there's definite explosive upside there um but for now they got some that that could work, um, but Dallas is not an easy opponent, so we'll see what they can do there. Uh, Connor, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, unfortunately, to our listeners, we are out of time, uh, so uh, check out all of our pregame content. We're going to have a good lineup for you in the lead-up to the Dallas game. Until then, peace out. Have a good night.